Welcome to the Limitless Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. We hope this message encourages you, inspires you, and helps build your faith. Enjoy the message. But today we're going to be beginning a new series called Strange Things in the Bible. And I'm really excited about this series uh, based uh, we're we're jocking the uh, Netflix series, Stranger Things. Um, but the intro to the series, I just want to talk to you all really quick about the intro to the series. Um, if you've ever, re- ever started reading the Bible, you will notice that there are some strange things that happen in the Bible, right? Yeah. Um, there are events, there's uh, symbols, there's signs, there's miracles that take place. Um, there's things that are out of this world in the Bible, if you've ever really read it. Um, but all of the things that happen uh, in the Bible don't happen without significance. There's strange things that happen in the Bible, but they're, they're strange for a reason. There's significance behind them. Um, the purpose of this Strange Things in the Bible series is, uh, number one, to inspire you to read the Bible for yourself. Um, also, uh, to explain a lot of the things that go on in the Bible and uh, the importance and significance as to why we uh, as Christ followers do what we do and different things that we do. Um, I've told y'all this before many times and I'll tell y'all, get, tell y'all again. The Bible is a spiritual book written by a spiritual being to spiritual beings. Y'all know that, right? So um, if there's something that you do not understand in the Bible, it's simply because you do not understand it. It's not because the Bible is flawed. You get what I'm saying? Uh, it's simply because we don't have the understanding of it. But the Bible is uh, a beautifully and skillfully written book. If you really dig into it and, and hear the story of the Bible, because it is written by a genius. I'm not sure if I know that. Uh, it's written by someone who's uh, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. That means someone who's all-powerful, all-knowing, and who's everywhere. Um, it's written, of course, by God. Also, another thing about the Bible, it has many writers in it, but it only has one author. All right, so there's, there are many men who actually have penciled down whatever the, the words that God inspired, but it has one author. The, the, the Bible says that it, all scripture is inspired by God. Um, so it's important we, that we learn to understand the language of the Bible. The Bible talks in, symbolic langu- in a symbolic language, and um, the Bible talks about uh, talks in a way like in types and shadows. Or uh, in the You Are Here series, we talked about a parable that Jesus talked about, and he said about the farmer scattering seed. And I explained it to y'all what it meant, right? Uh, and he even Jesus explains it himself what the parable meant. But all throughout the Bible, there's symbolic language, there's types and shadows, which means there could be uh, a certain thing, and it, but it, it, but when God is using that certain word, it, he's actually meaning something else. So that's how the, the Bible talks. But then also the Bible talks very plainly as well, very practically and very clearly. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about today. That's the first thing I'm going to be talking about. And uh, the title of this message uh, is called Baptism, Tongues, and Fire. All right. So some of the questions that we're going to be answering today in this message. Uh, what does the word baptize mean? Why do I need to be baptized? What does baptism symbolize? What is the significance of baptism? Should babies be baptized? 
What if I was already baptized? And why do I feel powerless in trials and temptations? So those are some of the questions that we're going to be answering today. And uh, I'm going to be talking about two baptisms. Now, the first baptism I'm going to talk about is the baptism in water. This is the baptism that we're that's, of course, we know about, right? Or we've heard about, or we've been baptized in water. Um, but what does the word baptize actually mean? Uh, the word baptism or baptize means to immerse fully. So if you know you've seen somebody be baptized, most of us have, they're immersed fully underwater, right? And then they're taken out. So the word, the word baptize actually means to be immersed fully. Um, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 3, and I'm going to be giving y'all um, a lot of scriptures, so I encourage y'all guys to write these scriptures down. Take notes. Um, I'm going to be giving y'all a lot of good information here, and we can't talk about strange things in the Bible without giving you a lot of Bible verses. So Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 11, this is uh, John the Baptist talking, and he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone who is coming soon, who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Say that word with me, fire. Fire. So remember that. We're going to come back to that later. Let's skip to verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. So y'all may have heard of John the Baptist before. Now the Bible describes this man as kind of a wild looking man. So I could imagine him, um, a man with really long hair, a really long beard. Um, The Bible says that he wore coarse camel hair. So he he wore animals for clothing. Um, the Bible says that he lived in the wilderness. So it was a guy that probably lived in the woods like a madman. I don't know. Uh, the woods are not the wilderness. I just, it sounds better. Um, so he lived in the woods. Um, he, uh, and he also ate bugs. And he probably smelled like really bad B.O. I'm assuming, right? So if we think about this, we see this event. And this man, John the Baptist, is screaming at people. He's telling them to repent, right? Repent of your sins, turn to God. He's, he's yelling at them. So here's a man who, who lives in the wilderness, who looks a little rough, smells like B.O., and eats bugs. The Bible says that he, he ate locusts and honey. All right, so if I were to be here in person and to watch this man, and he's here, this rough, uh, rather strange-looking man with a bunch of other men, and they're splashing around in the water. That sounds pretty strange to me, right? So I, I would see this and, and I would be there and I would probably be like, man, I, would, I don't know if I want to take part in this. <laughs> he's, he's dunking people in the water. He's yelling at people. I, I don't know what's going on here, right? Um, but then this man, Jesus, walks in and, and, and it says that he came in and him and John start 
discussing who should baptize who. And, um, and so he dunks Jesus in the water and baptizes Jesus. And then something strange again happens, right? And it says that after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So there's another question. Why do I need to be baptized? Okay, if you're thinking that, why, why should I be baptized? Uh, I'm about to answer that right now. So in verse 14, this is what Jesus says. He says, I am the one who, or John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? This is what Jesus is, this is Jesus's words. It should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So number one uh, reason why you should be baptized is God requires it. God requires it. It's the very first thing that God commands after salvation. After you repent of your sins, it's the very next thing that he tells you to do. So it's the, the very first opportunity for you to obey God. You get, get what I'm saying? So next scripture, Acts 2. Acts 2.37. So this is, this is when Jesus had already ascended into heaven and Peter's preaching to a, a crowd, a big crowd of people. And it says uh, in verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? So they heard a really, really good message and they're asking what they should do now. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. That's number one. But number two, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So 3,000 people got saved and got baptized that day. That's the very first thing the very first act of obedience. Um, So baptism isn't a requirement for your eternal salvation. Remember that. Because um, y'all know when Jesus was on the cross, right next to him was the thief on the cross, right? And um, that very moment they were both dying and the thief turned to Jesus and said, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus said, believe me, this day you will be with me in paradise. So that man couldn't come down from the cross and be dunked in a pool of water and be baptized, right? Of course. So obviously it's not required to be saved, but uh, it is the very first act of faith in Jesus after you confess your sins. So if it's something that you, if you've been saved for a long time or, or um, a Christ follower and you had not, have not been baptized, it's something that you had to really, really, Uh, Think about when did you actually convert and give your life to Jesus? When did you actually become a follower of Christ and really evaluate evaluate your heart? Uh, Matthew 28 says in verse 18 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
So this is Jesus right before he goes into heaven. And the very last thing he tells his disciples is to go out and make disciples and baptize them. He could have told them anything in the world right before he left, and he tells them this. That's how important baptism is, uh, and that's how important it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, Let me tell you this. If you're not willing to get baptized, how will you be willing to do anything else God asks of you? If you can't obey the very first thing God asks us to do in his word after salvation, how will we obey him in anything else? It's something to ask ourselves. So the next thing I want to ask is what does it symbolize? So baptism, uh, number one, is the outward uh, sign of what God has already done on the inside. It's you uh, testifying to everyone that you now belong to Jesus. That's what baptism is doing. It's you testifying, telling all the people around you that I am now a Christ follower. I am now a disciple of Jesus Christ. I now belong to Jesus. Uh, Another thing is it symbolizes your faith in a crucified, a buried, and a risen Savior. I'm going to say that again. It symbolizes your faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior. So we believe, right, that Jesus died, that he was buried, and he rose from the grave. So that's what what baptism symbolizes as well. Uh, It symbolizes the death to your own sin, the burial to your old life when you go underwater, and the resurrection to a new life when you get out of the water. Y'all hear what I'm saying? So, and we can look at that in Colossians 3, 1. It says... um, this is a pretty long scripture, so, so let's read it together. Colossians 3, 1, we're going to go to verse 11, but it's such a powerful scripture. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think, say that word with me, think Amen. about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to, uh, to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. These sins... Um, The anger of God is coming. I'm sorry, beware of these sins because the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Ooh, that's a good one, right? Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator, becoming like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or uncivilized, civilized, I can't say that word, <laughs> civilized. civilized, I still can't say it, slave or free, let's just move on. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Isn't that really good? Amen. So it's talking about a new Life In 2 Corinthians 5.15, it talks about the old life is gone and a new life has begun. So ask yourself, 
Did you ever have a new life that began when you accepted Jesus? Or are you still living that old life? It's something to think about. Um, why was Jesus baptized? If, you, if, it's, if it symbolizes your old life being buried and raising to new life, why was Jesus baptized? Because he didn't have an old life to bury, right? Because he was perfect. So there's another thing. The fourth thing it represents or symbolizes is it also, it's also a conscious decision to willingly submit your life to his purpose and his plans, the, the purpose and the plans the Father has for you. Amen. So it's a submission of your life to God, and that's what Jesus was doing. So Jesus was not baptized as a baby. Uh, he was baptized when he was 30 years old, all right? Um, and he was also baptized before his ministry started. So he had did, done no ministry that was recorded before he got baptized. All of his ministry came after he got baptized. So what he was doing was he was submitting his life to the Father, and that's why the heavens opened, and God the Father affirmed him and said, this is my dearly loved son who I'm well pleased. So Jesus was giving us an example to follow. And that, that's so awesome of him because he, he would never require us to do something that he has not already done. Remember that. Jesus, even though he, the Bible says that he was there in the beginning and he was the word and he is the word, he still, when he came to this earth, the Bible says he laid down his divinity and him knowing the Bible, and the, the, it says that he studied the scriptures, and he asked the Pharisees questions, and, and he uh, went to the temple learning from, from the teachers of religious law and all of that. So he laid all of that down, and he began to study the word just like we had to study the word. He, he didn't have any, any divine power. He laid down that divinity. And so he, everything that Jesus did on this earth is, is power that we're uh, capable of as well through the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. Um, but Jesus was giving us an example to follow. So another, uh, another question then, uh, should babies be baptized? And there's no scripture that supports this. Uh, all throughout scripture, anybody, any baby was not baptized. There, there's no um, scripture that says a baby was immersed in water. Uh, but it does say that babies were dedicated Okay, so uh, the prophet Samuel was dedicated to the Lord. Uh, Jesus was dedicated to the Lord. There's a lot of uh, babies where they're prophesied over, um, but none of them were actually baptized. And I came across some, some crazy video today of a priest, and he was just dunking this baby in water over and over again. And I was like, man, poor baby. <laughs> um, I would not let my, that happen to my, my kids, but... Um, well, you think about it, it's a sim it, it symbolizes you submitting your will, submitting your life, and, and a burial of your old life. Now, baby has nothing, no old life to bury, right? So it's a, it's a, conscience, a conscious decision that we have to make that we're going to give our lives to Jesus, that we're going to follow him, um, and he's going to be the Lord of our lives. See, when you accept Jesus, it, it, um, when you confess to Jesus as, you, as your Savior, that's you accepting him as Savior. When you come and get baptized, that's you acknowledging him as, as Lord over your life. Y'all hearing me? Um, it, it, uh, another thing is, well, let's go to 1 Peter 3 really quick. 1 Peter 3.21 says, And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
So there, there's power behind it. And um, that's the next question is, what's the importance or the significance of baptism? Why is it significant? Um, the first thing is it's significant because it is the seal of the new covenant between you and Jesus. It's a seal. So it's kind of like um, marriage papers for a married couple. Uh, if you ever seen like an Instagram post of, of uh, a, a newly married couple or someone who's about to get married and they post a picture smiling, right, with the marriage certificate uh, or a marriage license that we're about to get married, right? And, but it really doesn't mean anything until they say their vows and, and they, they enter into covenant with one another before God and before man. Um, so that's what baptism is. It's, it's, a, it's a seal that you now belong to Jesus. It's, it's significant um, because that's what it is. And it basically means that you're all in. Like, see, have you ever heard anybody say, uh, or, or a couple that says, oh, we're not married, but it's common law, or it's just a piece of paper. And, and I, I've ran into couples who have said that before. But let me tell you why it's not just a piece of paper. Because th- those, are, those are people who don't want to go all in. Uh, they they want to avoid a, a messy or a sticky situation in the future. They're, they're betting on their marriage not lasting. So, they're, so that's why they're like, hey, well, let's just stay together. And then if something ends up happening, if, if this girl ends up acting a fool, I can leave her, right? And, and so when you, when you enter into a covenant with Jesus, it's, you're sealing it. You're like, hey, there is no plan B. I'm all in for Jesus. And I may be acting a fool sometimes, right? But it doesn't matter. Jesus still loves me, right? He's, 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 gonna, he's, always, he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Even when we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. Amen. That's how good of a God he is. That's how good of a husband he is to his bride. So we have to, but, but it's, when we don't choose to get baptized, it's like us being that, that prideful man in the relationship saying, hey, it's just a piece of paper. God, is, God knows my heart. I don't really have to go do that. He knows, he knows I like him. He knows I love him. He knows I'm going to do my best. But no, it's a symbol. And um, it's like when my, uh, my dad, he's shared this example before. He, um, if you know my dad's testimony, he's come from a, a pretty crazy background. He was a nightclub owner. Um, he dealt drugs and things like that. And so he was really, uh, he was really in deep, all right, in, in the world. Um, but he, he said that my, my mom, before they got married, because um, they were kind of similar to that. They, they, were, they were already uh, together. Uh, living together and stuff before they got married and stuff. And um, they, uh, he said that my mom was the sweetest woman ever. And, and she, let him, she let him go here and there. And, and he would go out and shoot pool with his friends. And, and he got to do whatever he want whenever he wanted. And this is, of course, before Jesus, right? Um, better be, right? Um, and, and he says once they got married, things changed. He said that after they got married, that he... Uh, one night, he just started walking out, and, and my mom asked him, hey, where are you going? And he was like, oh, I'm going to go shoot pool with my friends. She said, no, you're not. <laughs> he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so he didn't go that night, all right? And, and things changed. Why? Because there, there's, there's a difference uh, bet- between just being, being together, being committed, and being in covenant. Right. So um, it, that's what it is. It's a covenant, and it's a seal to that covenant. Um, Number two, number one, it's significant because it's a seal. Number two, it's significant because it's supernatural. It's a supernatural thing that takes place. Uh, Colossians 2.11 says this. 
It says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were bur- uh, buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So it, it's a supernatural thing um, that happens. Uh, now the question is, what if I've already been baptized? All right, so before I answer that, let me show you this scripture, all right? Acts 19. So this is a guy who had been baptized already, and he had to get rebaptized. all right? So Acts 19, verse 1. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. So these are believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Remember the wild man. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So what if you've already been baptized? If you've already understood all this that I'm talking about, and uh, you've been baptized and you've been following Jesus uh, with all your heart, then great. (laughs) You did a good thing. You're doing great. But I want you to evaluate your heart, okay? And if you were baptized, and um, but you haven't been living this new life that the Bible has been talking about, you've still been living your old life, then reevaluate your heart and, and think if you actually really made the conscious decision to follow Jesus and be his disciple. Are you hearing me? And then get rebaptized. All right? Immediately get rebaptized. And maybe you were baptized, maybe you, you, you made a decision, and maybe it was more of a religious decision. Maybe it was more of a knowledge of good and evil rather than uh, of new life in Christ. The symbolizing being a, that you're, you're, you're having new life in Christ. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. And um, if, that, is that, if that's the case, then you really do need to get rebaptized. Um, actually, this this month, this is October, October first, this month, uh, I got rebaptized. Your your pastor <laughs> got rebaptized uh, the beginning of this month, and uh, the the reason I got rebaptized, uh, we were at a, a conference uh, the beginning of this month in, in Fort Worth or Dallas Fort Worth area, and. Um, I had been baptized before. It was when I was 19, around 19 years old or so. Um, and I don't remember my heart uh, when, I got, when I first got baptized. But what I do remember is um, <laughs> there was no submission of my will. <laughs> and uh, even after that decision to get baptized, I, was, I still lived the old life. And, um, and I don't remember. It might have been more like, hey, we're all getting baptized. You want to get baptized? And I'm like, yeah, that's a good thing. I'm supposed to get baptized, right? So let me get baptized. And it was more something like that, uh, where everybody's doing it, so, so let me do it too. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't think my heart was bad in a sense or anything when I got baptized. But um, like I said, there is no burial of the old Stephen. I came out of that water, and I was still that same old Stephen, and I still live in my same old ways. So... Um, 
but y'all know me now, and, and uh, now I, I've been a pastor for for two and a half years now or so. I've been uh, a young adults pastor for six months, and um, but I made the conscious decision to get re-baptized because I realized that after I had really given my life to Jesus, over to Jesus, I hadn't been re-baptized, and, and there was no there was nothing symbolic that I had. Uh, buried myself and, and rose again to new life in Jesus. So that's why I did it. And let me tell you something. Um, nothing crazy happened when that when, when actually when I got baptized. But I tell you that a shift in spiritually, something supernatural happened. Uh, not at that moment, but at that time since then. Okay. And, and let me tell you, like God's been working in, in my heart and in my life and in my family. And there's been a shift in our lives where. Um, where I feel we're, we're more sensitive to God now and, and we're more um, passionate for Jesus and, and we're more committed than ever before uh, for God. And, and I'm super excited about that. That's why I'm, I'm really passionate about this. And hopefully whatever convinced me, the Holy Spirit's the one that convinced me, but hopefully he could convince y'all today that if y'all need to be baptized to take that next step. Are y'all hearing me? Yeah. Um, so something supernatural happens. Um, also, today, if you're questioning it, maybe you're thinking about it. You're like, uh, should I get baptized? Should I not? Maybe it's not that important, whatever. You don't, you don't know. Um, I'm telling you, if you're questioning it, get baptized again. And um, if you needed to get baptized, rebaptized, then I guarantee you something supernatural in your life, a shift is going to happen. If you make it after fully committing your life to Jesus, all going all in, not, not one foot in, not one foot out, not, oh, but I don't want to give my old ways up. I don't want to give my life up. No, make it, make up your mind, make up a decision to be a follower of Jesus and get rebaptized. Now, if you get rebaptized and you really didn't need to get rebaptized, uh, it's okay. God will forgive you. All right. For getting baptized twice. It'll be all right. Um, (laughs) but, um, I want to answer the next question is why do I feel powerless in times of trials and temptation? Maybe you may be feeling that way or asked that question before or thought, or thought that before. And I want to answer that today. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3. So this is, again, right before Jesus leaves and ascends to heaven, right after he talks about baptism to his disciples. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died. So this is right after he died. There's 40 days that he was on earth. He appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave. Bump your neighbor, tell him that. Say, do not leave. Do not leave. Until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. So check this out. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So they're changing the subject. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and they're changing the subject here. He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power. Say that word with me. Power, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Like, back on topic. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So, 
This is right before he's ascended and ascends, and he's telling, them, he's telling them, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, don't go out and don't, don't do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is the second baptism. The first baptism, pa- baptism was baptism in water. The second one is baptism in the Holy Spirit. All right. So could it be that we feel powerless in times of trials and temptation because we are powerless? Could it be that we feel powerless because we are powerless? And, and I want to tell you this. Jesus, in Matthew 3, when he got baptized, we read that. That's the opening scripture. John the Baptist baptized him. Uh, that's in Matthew 3. The very next chapter, Matthew 4, the very beginning, verse 1 says, we don't have time to go there, but it says that immediately after he was baptized, the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. So I, I want to tell you this, though. He says, do not leave, right? He said, do not leave. So is it possible that we, instead of being led by the Spirit, we're being led by our flesh? And that's why we're failing miserably when it comes to temptation. We're falling every single day. We're, 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 uh, we're not living that new life that Jesus has called us to because we're powerless. We're, we're, we're not being led. We're, 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 we're not staying still where we're supposed to be. Jesus said, do not leave until you receive the Holy Spirit. And we're going off into the wilderness by ourselves and we're giving in to the enemy. We're giving in to fleshly desires. But it amazes me that, that here's the thing. So Jesus had the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit led him to be tempted. So the, the God doesn't tempt us. The Bible says that he never tempts anyone. Temptations come from our own desires or from the enemy. But he did lead him into the wilderness. Okay? Because there's always going to be temptation. It doesn't matter if you have the Holy Spirit or not. It's just a matter of are you going to have power over that temptation or not. Yeah. So... That, that, that's the thing is, um, is the Holy Spirit gives us power. And I'm, I'm going to continue with that in Acts chapter 2. Check this out. So this is when the disciples stayed where they were, like Jesus commanded them. And watch what happened. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Imagine hearing that. A sound from heaven. And it filled the house where they were sitting. So it was probably a house like this. They're talking kind of just like we are now. And out of nowhere, a big old sound from heaven comes like a windstorm. And then it says, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. That's pretty strange if you ask me, right? (laughs) And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So this is something that's, that supernaturally happened. Tongues of fire, flames of fire came and settled on each of them. They were filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit and they received power. That's the power Jesus was talking about. It says, uh, John the Baptist said, he will baptize you in, uh, in the Holy Spirit and with fire. So here's the thing. Um, the fire of the Holy Spirit, uh, or fire in the Bible, uh, represents the Holy Spirit most of the time throughout Scripture. Okay, and the fire of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you three things really quick that it represents. Number one, the fire of the Holy Spirit represents power. Okay, now Acts chapter ten verse thirty-eight says this, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
Then Jesus went around doing good. So maybe you're wondering, why can't I go out and do good? Maybe it's because you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. You don't have the power to do good. So the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do good. Are y'all hearing me? Uh, Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So like I said, Jesus was just like us. He became man. He was fully God, but he was 100% man. Um, And he went around doing good and healing people because God was with him, because he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, So the, the, the Holy Spirit gives us power. We can try our hardest to do good on our own, but I guarantee you we will fail every time without the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I actually, there was uh, two dreams that I had. One of them was a couple of years ago, or actually a few years ago. And then the second one, they're very similar dreams. The second one was about last year. And in uh, my first dream, I was um, in, a, in a, a meeting at church, in a church meeting. And uh, this man of God that I, that I don't know personally, I actually met him once, but I don't really know him personally. Um, he laid his hands on me in, in the dream. And all of a sudden, I, f- I fell down, and I was pretty much paralyzed. And, um, but I felt electricity going through my body, like a fire electricity going through my body. And I was just crying uncontrollably and in my dream. And then I woke up, and I, I still felt that same fire and electricity physically in my body when I woke up. And um, the, the second dream I had was very similar, and it was a man that I do know personally, and he um, did the same thing. He laid his hands. I was, sit, I was sitting on a chair in a church meeting, and he laid his hands on me again. And uh, that same thing happened. I felt that electricity, that same electricity going through my body, that fire going through my body. And I fell out of my chair. And I was just there pretty much paralyzed and um, crying uncontrollably, feeling that power flowing through me. And then I woke up immediately afterwards, and I still felt that power flowing through me in my body. And, um, and I called that man right after that dream. And I told him, I was like, hey, he doesn't live here in San Antonio. But I told him, I was like, hey, I had this dream. And I, I explained it to him. And he's like, wow. He's like, I've actually heard of that before, where power, where God will use a dream like that. And power will actually, uh, like a, a, an anointing from the Holy Spirit will, it's like a mantle passing on to that n- the next person. And after those two dreams, it was like another shift happened in my life. And I did literally feel empowered by God to, to do out, to carry out the, his purpose for my life. So I'm telling you, man, you, you, you had to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe that's why you're feeling defeated. Maybe that's why you're, you're feeling paralyzed because you need the Holy Spirit. Um, the second thing that the fire of the Holy Spirit does in our life is it purifies. And in Leviticus chapter six, I'm already almost done. So Uh, Leviticus chapter 6, it says this, verse 12. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire. Listen to that. Each morning, he's going to add wood to the fire um, and arrange to burn uh, burn offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. Um, I'm sorry, I'm actually getting ahead of myself, right? That's the next one. Uh, But it will purify us. So Zechariah 13, 9 says, I will bring that group through the fire. 
and make them pure. What does fire do? It purifies gold, right? Uh, I will refine them like silver and purify them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, these are my people. And they will say, the Lord is our God. Um, so it purifies us. Also in, in Galatians five nineteen, this is popular. Um, it says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the old man, right, that we're talking about, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Um, so it's very clear when you're being led by the Spirit, the type of fruit that comes out of it, right? So, and it is a process. It's not something that just happens overnight. But, I mean, is there any progress? Are you being purified by the Holy Spirit, by the fire of the Holy Spirit? Is your life, is the fruit of your life an evidence of that or not? Because if you're still living from that first list, then more than likely you're still living from your, your old sinful nature. You haven't, been, you haven't died to sin yet. Um, so that's the second thing is it purifies. First thing is, is it gives you power. P- second thing is purifies. The third thing it represents is prayer. So the fire of the Holy Spirit represents prayer. And that's where I could go to Leviticus. I'm sorry, I was getting ahead of myself. Leviticus 6.12, it says, Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. So let me ask you today, is your fire burning inside of you? Is the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in you? Or was it at one time burning and maybe it died out? It's something that to ask. It says, it says, do not let it go out. It says, every morning, add wood to the fire. That's prayer. Uh, and then in 2 Timothy, this is Paul t- talking to Timothy in verse one, I'm sorry, chapter one, verse six. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So that's why he's saying, don't let that fire burn out. Because if not, then the spirit of fear is going to come in. The spirit of timidity is going to come in. Things, the enemy is going to begin to attack you if that fire is not burning in. You're not going to have no power over those trials, over those temptations. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? So we, ha- we have to understand the importance of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so you may not understand everything I'm saying today. You, you, may, you, may, you may hear something like that and you're, you're thinking from a human perspective and thinking, yeah, that is strange, right? Um, but maybe something inside of you is burning and you want more of God and you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life. I believe that's the Holy Spirit tugging at you to, to come closer to him, to, to uh, allow him to come into your life and, and purge your heart and purify your heart and give you power, give you purpose, give you a passion for Jesus. Are y'all hearing me? Uh, So you may not understand it all, but my prayer 
today is that you will understand how much you need the Holy Spirit in your life. How much you need to make that decision to bury the old man and live in the new life. Because the Bible says that many will come to Jesus one day. It says many. So the many will come to Jesus one day and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. So these are people who were religious, people who went to church, people who did ministry. And he's going to say to them, believe me, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And that's what the scriptures say. So my prayer today is that you get this. And everybody in scripture who accepted Jesus, they, they crucified their old life and they were baptized right away and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were empowered to live a purposeful and a passionate life for Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Amen. So at this time, let's just bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please subscribe. That way you will always be in the know. Also, if you are impacted by the message today, please consider sharing it by clicking the share episode button or even taking a snapshot and sharing it on your social stories. We'll see you next time on the Limitless Podcast.